What's up, everyone? Happy Monday. Welcome out to the weekend wrap-up with the Game Time Guru. I'm going to be going over some of the hot topics from the weekend in the sports world, so I appreciate you joining me. I hope everybody had a great weekend, and I hope everyone's ready to crush this week. It's the week before Christmas. It's going to be a good one. But, um, yeah, we're going to go over some of the, the topics that happened this weekend in the sports world, beginning with some things that happened. On the field. On the field. So starting in the Las Vegas Bowl, Boise State takes on Oregon. They end up winning 38-28. Score was a lot closer than the game really was. Um, anybody who watched that saw who was the better prepared team. I was thoroughly impressed, very surprised with the way that Boise State showed up to play. Um, they most most certainly, you know, watched their film and they they prepared well for for Oregon's speed and Oregon's scheme. Um, the defense was all over the place. Leighton Van Der Esch has proven once again that he is ready for the NFL. He has that NFL talent, the NFL speed, the NFL body. 6-4-2-40, and he can run laterally. He gets from one side of the field to the other. He reads plays well. He gets his depth and coverage when he needs to. Um, he can do it all, and he can get off blocks as well, which is another huge part of being in the NFL. You got As a middle linebacker or an outside linebacker, you've got to be able to get off blocks, and he does a really good job at that. It was insane to watch that. Now, here's what frustrates me, though. Um, if you guys watched that game, it was 24-0. Boise State's driving. Uh, was probably going to score again. And they end up fumbling the ball on a, on a Statue of Liberty. They try to do a Statue of Liberty play and get cute. Well, there's a fumble, and then it was returned for a touchdown. Well, Boise State answers with a bomb to Cedric Wilson, who, by the way, is another NFL talent. Huge receiver. Um, had 221 yards receiving, 10 catches. Uh, and that was on you know two hurt shoulders and a bummed foot or ankle, whatever it was. And he was still out there grinding, still got 200 yards receiving. Anyways, bomb it to him. We get down within like the five-yard line. We throw a pick six right before the half. So instead of being 38 to nothing going into halftime, it was 24 to 14. That was really frustrating. And even though we dominated the second half, um, I mean, we, we, it was, a, it was you know, it's it 38 to 20. It was a final score. So realistically, it was 14-14 second half. But uh, you could tell Boise State um, basically dominated the game from front to back, minus those two um, – turnovers that ended up being touchdowns it was really frustrating to see that uh, but I'm glad that Boise State showed up to play here is the problem so everyone's saying is this Brian Harson's best year of coaching I say no here's why sure we won our conference sure we won the bowl game against a power five school I get that that's the goal from the very get-go and I understand that every season you can't make it to a new year's six bowl it's not gonna you're not gonna get that every year but this season this team was ready for a new year's six bowl this team was ready for it. We have the best defense I've seen come through Boise State in a very long time, front to back. The depth on our defense is insane. Offensively, we couldn't find a rhythm. A lot of that had to do with play calling. A lot of that had to do with the actual play of the quarterback. I get that. But this team underperformed. So, yes, we got an awesome win to end the season. I'm excited for what we've got going on next year. But as a Boise State fan, I am tired of saying next year, next year next year guess what we said that with kellen moore never ended up happening with that i hope that brian harson takes this as a lesson you know we shouldn't have lost those three games you should not have gotten blown out at home we have too much talent on this team to allow that to happen the turnaround was remarkable it was, a, it was an amazing season from the two losses we had early in the year to the way they were they improved throughout the rest of the year and gradually built and built and built this team was too talented to not make it to a new year six bowl straight up but I am happy. I'm just not going to say it was his best season. Now, sticking with some on-the-field stuff, we're going to jump to 
the NFL. So last week I talked about the Eagles. Carson Wentz goes down with a knee injury. Terrible luck for the Eagles, right? Going into the playoffs, they're rolling, riding high right now with their their entire team front to back, defensive line, defensive backfield, um, their running game, their offensive line. Everyone's rolling, especially their receiving core. You got Carson Wentz, a good receiving core who doesn't drop passes, and they were starting to roll. They're a well-rounded team and very well coached. He goes down, and everyone's waiting to see what Nick Foles can do. So Nick Foles, for stat watchers, had an amazing game yesterday, right? Like, so if you didn't watch the game or watch any of it for that matter. You know, you just see the stats. You're like, wow, his QBR was amazing. They're going to be just fine. Here's the thing. I'm going to break it down for you right now. Nick Foles looked okay yesterday. He didn't make mistakes, and that's exactly what you you need to ask for. Um, for any quarterback that's coming in who's, you know, not necessarily an elite quarterback but someone who needs to lead your team, if you can just minimize the mistakes, you'll be just fine. That's what Blake Bortles has been doing in the last couple games, and they've been doing great. The Jags have been, been rolling. Nick Foles didn't make mistakes yesterday albeit he was playing a very very bad 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 defense like I mean the Giants are awful straight up like they are not very good last year their defense was incredible that due to injuries and just everything that happened this season the Giants are garbage but Nick Foles performed extremely well and that should be something to look forward to Um, these Eagle fans shouldn't be upset about going into the playoffs now it's not the same situation as you saw with the Raiders last year with Carr going down right before the playoffs or even like uh when RG3 went down with his knee injury um you know obviously against the Seahawks back in uh I think it was 2012 wow I don't know it was a long time ago right so it's not like that um right now and then everyone's like oh we have no hope because there's no one behind him Nick Foles just proved that at least he can get the job done I didn't think he looked that great uh his stats look phenomenal because he didn't turn the ball over that's awesome but it's not like he like made an amazing plays or anything like that but he made the plays that he needed to make and this is what's awesome and I was saying it last week I want to see what the coaching staff of the Eagles can do I hate the Eagles I'm a Cowboys fan but I am actually really impressed with how their coaching staff has made adjustments all season and that was one of the things I said. We're going to have to see how their coaching staff makes adjustments to this quarterback change. And it seemed like yesterday, you could see it. They were just fine. They picked up right where they where they left off. They made a few adjustments, made the, the game plan a little more simple for him. Uh, Jay Ajayi, Boise State alum, got the carries. He, at one point in the game, he was averaging five yards a carry. Uh, I mean, they're getting the job done and controlling the ball and then making it easy for him to make those throws, one-on-one coverages and stuff like that. Um, I think... This was a blessing that Carson Wentz went down when he did. Sometimes you have, you know, you, you have these timings for energy, or sorry, injuries, and he got hurt. If, if, if he was going to get hurt, this would be the best time to do it. Instead of doing it when Derek Carr did or RG3, at least you got yourself three games to get Nick Foles into a rhythm. And even if he's playing bad defenses, he got into a rhythm. He got into a rhythm against the Giants, and, and he's going to play two more games before the playoffs start. And it'll get him into a rhythm before he goes in there. And it's not like he's a rookie. He's been in the league. He's seen success in the league like we talked about last week. I'm excited to see what happens with him. I think it's a blessing in disguise for the Eagles. It's going to show. It's going to put a lot of pressure on the defense, a lot of pressure on the offensive line. But uh, if, if Carson Wentz were to go down, this was the best case scenario for the Eagles. So keep an eye on They They just kept rolling. I mean, they had a really close game with the Giants. Giants definitely, you know, put up a fight even with Nick Foles playing as well as he did. But uh, it's it looks good for the Eagles still. I'm not going to say they're down and out already. Um, 
because they just won a game without Carson Wentz. So Foles look good. Let's keep an eye on them the next two weeks before the playoffs start. Sticking with the NFL, Cowboys versus Raiders. Anybody watch Sunday Night Football? Again, this is one of those things where like you have the stat watchers who just kind of look at the recaps, like the box scores on ESP, the ESPN app or something like that. You know, They'll be like, man, that was a really good game. I, I know I'm critical of my teams. I really am. I'm, I'm very critical of my teams. I do it with every one of them. But here's the deal. Last night, if you didn't have a dog in the fight, like you weren't, you didn't care about either one of those teams, that was a really poor game to watch. It really was. No one wanted to watch that. At one point, uh, they get back on the, they get back from commercial break, and my uncle, who I watched the games with, said it perfectly for me, right? He said it absolutely perfectly. The guy was like, this is a great game. The commentators are just talking about, this is such a great game. My uncle's like, no, it's a close game, not a great game. If you didn't have a dog in the fight, you wouldn't be watching this. And I feel like a lot of the Cowboys games this season that have been that I've been watching, that's the same case. Like, if you didn't have a dog in the fight, it's just awful. It was even like that with the Eagles because if you remember a couple weeks ago, the Eagles played the Cowboys. Eagles were terrible. Carson Wentz looked awful. So did Dak Prescott. The first half of that game was the that was a really bad football game. It's the same thing. Like the Cowboys seem to be in these like really bad games. So I just want to talk about though. It was a close game. That's different than a good game. And maybe I'm just like, my expectations must be too high, I guess, of what's a good football game. But Cowboys-Raiders was not that good of a football game. Now, granted, both teams are playing with injuries. They're playing with, miss, like, you know, they're missing players. So it was kind of cool to see the grind and the grit. Uh, they just both kept going, going, going. And it came down to a fumble out of the end zone. I mean, Wow. And let's talk for a second about the first down on that fourth and one Cowboys on their final drive decide to go for it um, at around their own 40, 45 yard line. Really risky play. I thought Dak got it by like easily got it. And the way they spotted the ball was, I thought it was short, way shorter than what he actually had. So I thought if they reviewed the play, they would have ended up giving the first anyways. But here's how they do it. If you guys missed it, you should go back and watch it. I'm sure it's all over Twitter. I'm sure it's on, on YouTube, Facebook, whatever social media outlet. So they do the first down. It was so close because they put the ball where they marked the ball. They pull the chain over and they couldn't tell. It was so close that you couldn't tell. So everyone's like, uh, and everyone's like cheering and no one knows what's going on. The TV commentators are like, oh my goodness, it's so close. They don't even know. And then you know what happens? The referee pulls out an index card, basically the one that he, he writes on and he, you know, puts the card in between the tip of the football and the chain. And since it touched, he calls it a first down. Definitely the first time I've ever seen that. But and it was hilarious if you watch the the Raiders coach. He's just like, "What? What are you doing? Like I've never seen that before." Um, it was really a crazy way to determine whether or not that was a first down. And like I said, I think Dak got it by easy. Like I easily thought that the length of the football went over the first down line. Like I didn't even think it was as close as they made it. Um, so if they had reviewed it afterwards, they probably would have won it. But it was so insane. Cowboys kept the ball, went down, and ended up kicking the game-winning field goal, what turned out to be the game-winning field goal um, at the end of the game there. The thing is, man, this is what I want to talk about. We are in an era of football where we have 360 cameras, like the 360-degree cameras. We have the the first down line that shows you on TV, all this stuff, all this technology that we have for the football games, for TV viewing and such and everything, just to help with the whole entire game. And then you go and you you still are bringing out a chain to measure the first down based on a subjective spot from a from a human being. So there's that human element to it. 
and they're using a chain and then an index card to try to figure out the first down. There's got to be a way that we change that up. Are you kidding me? There has got to be a way that we change that up. It is ridiculous. Come on. Um, I just can't believe that we're still measuring first downs based on like a chain. A t- like the two old men come out with the chain and then they measure it that way based on a subjective call. I, I just, it's just so, I don't know. I understand there's a human element and you want to keep that in the game. And I, I totally understand that. Um, but it, uh, if we could get a little more precise, perhaps it would eliminate a lot of the uh, speculation there. And the last thing I want to talk about in the NFL, something that came to mind yesterday as I was watching the Panthers and the Packers game. Um, really good game, actually. Good to see Aaron Rodgers come back. First thing on that one, um, Rodgers probably shouldn't have come back. He almost broke his collarbone again. I mean, coming back eight weeks after surgery. Surgery, have you? Remember, when you have surgery, it's usually a 12-week recovery time. Okay, They put the plates in his collarbone. He decided to come back eight weeks later. He got hit once and landed on. And, I mean, if that was Tony Romo, his collarbone would have easily snapped. But you saw Rodgers get up, and you know that guy's on some pain pills because he was not feeling good. You could see it in his face, and he, he kind of shook it off and was blowing air. He's like, Bruh. you know, he, he could tell it, like, rattled him, and it hurt really, really bad. Um, I thought he broke his collarbone again. I, I don't know why he came back. I get it. Your team's in the playoff race, or was. But, man, that's that's a really risky injury because for a quarterback, if you break your collarbone and then re-snap it, it's – it's just a downhill battle, you know, or sorry, an uphill battle. It just all goes down the, downhill from there. Uh, we saw that with a lot of quarterbacks, including Tony Romo. So that's the first thing. But anyways, it was actually a pretty good game. Um, but one thing I wanted to bring up is Greg Olson, right? So he broke his foot early in the season. I think it was the first game of the year, actually. And he's come back, and he's just – one thing is, like, we don't talk about him as much anymore, unless you're, like, a fantasy football player and you, and you grab Greg Olson. Like, you realize, like, he's one of um, – He's one of Newton's favorite targets. But Olsen's such an underrated tight end, I think. And we don't talk enough about him. He's been in the league for so long, and he's still athletic and reliable. And I just saw him out there, and I'm like, man, this guy's coming off after a broken foot. He's been back for a few weeks, and he's still out there just balling, dude. Like, he reminds me of a more athletic Jason Witten. Just an absolute stud. Um, just, you know, traditional tight end who can go out there and catch the ball. He's reliable. I don't think he gets enough credit. Greg Olsen needs more credit and more you know hype I should say behind him we get all these other guys get all this you know Gronkowski and this and that but like you don't Greg Olson's the quiet guy who just does his job and that's why I said he reminds me of Jason Witten uh just a lot more athletic because Witten runs like a giraffe and falls down never breaks a tackle uh but Olson can get yards after the catch he gets the the yak and then he never drops passes that are like easy for him in the end zone I shouldn't say never but Olsen's a stud and as I was watching that game yesterday on red zone I kept pushing it back to it um I was like man this guy this guy is such a stud and I don't think he gets the recognition that he deserves anymore because he's older and he got it at one point but I think he needs more recognition now guys to finish up I want to uh jump into the NBA uh last thing LeBron James you guys are gonna get sick of hearing me talk about LeBron I love LeBron Okay. I am very open about the fact that I love his game. I love everything that he does in the, in the game because he is not a great jump shooter. He's not, but he gets the job done. Um, the fact that he has the numbers and the efficiency that he does when his jump shot is limited is just so crazy to me. You know, like people are like, well, he's not as good of a jump shooter as Jordan. And even though the stats prove otherwise, I know that like 
if you got the ball in LeBron's hands and you got the ball in Kobe or Michael's hands to make a last second jumper, like a like cross you up and then jump shot, I know LeBron's probably not he's probably last on the list just because he simply he doesn't have the dribbling ability that the other guys have. He has the speed and power in the first step that the other guys didn't have, but he doesn't have like the jump shot, like to cross you up, create space, and then get a good jumper. I just don't see that consistently from him. But that's the thing. Everybody knows that. But he still puts up numbers. Man, like that's what's so crazy. Anyways, last night he had his third triple-double in a row. Uh, LeBron is playing amazing in his 15th year in the league. And uh, it's just insane to see that. He is crushing it right now. And their team is looking scary because if you look at their team, he's not the only one scoring. He had 15 assists last night. He's getting his teammates involved. And he's getting the buckets that he needs to get. Um, that's what's insane to me, okay? He is getting the buckets he needs to get, and then he's letting everybody else get into a rhythm. Isaiah Thomas is coming back first week of January. Give him a month to get back into basketball shape and get ready to play consistently. This team's fully healthy going into the playoffs. You better watch out. Like, this is Jeff Green, huge, like, huge asset to that team. People forget about Jeff Green when he went to OKC. I'm um, sorry, from OKC over to Boston, I should say. And he kind of floated around a few squads, uh, during that time because of his heart issue that he had and whatnot. Uh, people forget about Jeff Green. Don't sleep on the Cavs. Jeff Green's, they have a lot more depth now. And if Dwayne Wade can, you know, stay a little bit more healthy with his knee soreness when it come playoff time, they've got at least three or four guys on the bench that can actually help them, you know, get some buckets here and there while LeBron gets a, you know, at least a two-minute break, which he never got in the past. Even with Kyrie, he couldn't go off the court for more than 30 seconds at a time because otherwise they'd, they'd lose it all, even on the defensive side of the ball. So I'm excited for this Cavs team going forward. Now, how does LeBron stay so healthy to be able to perform at a high level in his 15th season? That's what we're going to talk about. So let's jump to... Off the field. Off the field. So everybody who knows me knows that I love sports for many reasons. Um... And one of those reasons is the fact that like it takes so much athleticism and so much time and effort and preparation to be able to keep your body in a condition to where you can compete at a high level for, you know, the time that you're a professional athlete. Like that's such it's the athleticism required is so high and that takes such a toll on your body. And that's why I love LeBron James's game because he takes so much time and effort outside of basketball to take care of his body. He puts in so much time and effort to take care of his body so that he can compete at a high level. He's 15 years in the league. He's his body's in he's in great shape. His body you can tell like is just ready. It fires on all cylinders, you know. Um, and if you ever watch his workouts, they're insane. Like he takes care of his body with his diet, whatever he's putting into his body. He takes care of his body with his workouts. He takes care of his body with the way he sleeps. I mean, he has a lot of money to be able to invest into all of that, and I get that. Uh, but it's insane. So everybody who hates on LeBron, I I wish we could see like if they would show more of the you know, off the court kind of thing, um, behind the scenes of how he actually prepares. I remember watching when he was with the heat and he was training with, uh, Chris Bosch and, and Dwayne Wade and they were boxing. And that's what they did is they, they had a boxing gym they went to in South beach and, um, they were in great shape. Like Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosch and LeBron all have like eight packs. I didn't know Chris Bosch was as jacked as he was. And they were just, they were, they were training so hard in the off season to be able to, you know, work on their hand-eye coordination, their, their, you know, their footwork and stuff like that. And if you look at LeBron, like it showed him and Mario, uh, I think it was Mario Chalmers. And they were doing this like stair stepper slash climber 
workout at LeBron's house uh, in the off season. I was like, dang, man, like they were going crazy on the cardio to keep their legs and their hands and their forearms already like just to be in shape. Like their workouts are insane. Their diet's insane. LeBron is 15 years in the league. He's in his 30s and a, and a good comparison here. Him and Carmelo Anthony came out at the same time. Look at the way that Carmelo Anthony's athleticism has completely declined like the entire like throughout the course of his career. Yeah, he had some injuries. That's I mean that happens. Look at how many injuries LeBron has had. None. Like he hasn't had any major major injuries, right? Like he's had some sprained ankles here and there. Um he he cramps up and stuff. We've had a history of that, but as far as like a knee surgery or anything like that, knock on wood, but LeBron hasn't had had any of that. And I think a lot of that has to go with preparation. Some of that's luck. I get it. Sometimes you, you land wrong on somebody's foot and that's going to happen. But uh, I don't think it's just a coincidence. LeBron is taking care of his body and he's prevented injuries uh, from happening, which is allowing him to compete at such a high level at this age and this time in his career. It's insane. You look over at Carmelo Anthony, the dude can barely dunk the ball now. Isn't that sad? Like he used to be like amazing when he first came in the league. In fact, I thought he was going to be better than LeBron with his overall game because he was quick. He could get to the bucket. He could finish and he could shoot. He was a better jump shooter than LeBron, but now you just see how LeBron has completely improved and he's taking care of himself and he is just dominating. A lot of that has to go with his off the field or off the court preparation. And that's what I wanted to talk about. Just, you know, have some respect for the athletes. If you're not a sports fan, have some respect for the athletes for the time and effort they put into working on their craft because that's their profession. And he's one of them that takes it seriously. Okay. He takes his profession seriously. That's what he's doing for work. And uh, he's a professional. He, he gets it done. He prepares for work and he, he performs at a high level. All right, guys. So that's going to that's gonna do it for today's weekend wrap up. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, I'll be talking to you guys on Friday with, uh, I got Mike Vernis, professional hockey player coming onto the show. So make sure you subscribe and check that one out. It's going to be fun. He's living in Denmark, playing overseas, uh, professional hockey, but he played in the NHL for uh, a, a short time, played in the minors here in the United States. And now he's playing in Denmark overseas professional hockey player talking about his experience with hockey as well as like how it's helped him with his business and such so you guys don't want to miss that check it out subscribe to the game time guru on itunes stitcher google play music whatever platform you want uh don't forget to, to uh share this with your friends and family and uh we'll talk to you on friday see you guys